Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This has been a great week over at Casting Across. I had two posts that have really generated a lot of traffic and buzz, and that's exciting, not because it turns into any sort of, you know, uh, theoretical internet dollars for me, but just because I like people reading and uh, thinking about the stuff that I put out there. And this uh, week, I put out two articles that together comprised uh, one greater work, which is the top-rated fly shop in all 50 states. Now, what I did is I went through, and you can read this in, um, in the articles, I found using a few different review sites the aggregate scores of the highest rated fly shop in all 50 states. Now, there's a lot of caveats there, and I'm going to talk about them a little bit um, and give a little bit of my perspective on that before I talk a little bit more about fly shops kind of in general. But basically, uh, the big thing that I'm not sure everybody understood, some of the feedback I got, I think that people didn't catch this, and I explicitly said it, I'm not saying these are the 50 best fly shops in the country. I'm not saying this is the best fly shop in every state. There's no way to know that. Um, If it makes you feel any better, some of the fly shops that I listed in these articles are not my favorite fly shops in the states, and not the fly shops I think are the best. In fact, there's some fly shops that are on there that I'm not super impressed with, but this isn't about me. This isn't about you. This is about everybody. And so, again, what I did is I I looked at a couple of different review sites, ways that people express their opinion on the internet, and through, you know, quasi-simple math, uh, figured out that the highest rated fly shops. Some of that, just a a real quick uh, look at that, if a fly shop had, say, five reviews and had five stars, that's awesome. Great. Whether you're new or nobody leaves reviews, whatever. But that's that's good. I mean, that's going to turn out well for you in Google and stuff like that. But if a fly shop had 100 reviews and was only 4.8 stars or whatever the metric was on that site, I actually rated that higher because um, I think there's there's some value in, in the, the quantity 
of reviews. So these these reviews are subjective and even my approach to rating them was subjective. But at the end of the day, I think that uh, no one can argue with the shops that are listed on all um, 50 states are, if not the highest rated in the top few um, for the state. Some states, it was wicked difficult. Um, state like Pennsylvania, my goodness, uh, so many fly shops. Um, Colorado, uh, same same sort of deal. And then you run into states that are coastal, and you have two completely different ball games. A state like North Carolina, for example, um, some awesome fly shops out in the mountains, and some great fly shops on the coast. But then you run into other issues also, where there's not a lot of coastal fly shops because a lot of the coastal shops are catering to all anglers as well as other coastal outdoor enthusiasts. So there's there's a, a, a lot in there. Um, there's other mitigating factors too, and I mentioned this in the article. You see a lot of the fly shops that are listed on those two articles are found in metropolitan or urban settings. So consequently, you have a lot more foot traffic than you would for a fly shop that is found on a stream in the middle of a, uh, a small town uh, somewhere. And so does that mean that they are better or worse? No, it just means that one probably generates a lot more foot traffic. People are in there after they get out of work and they go down you know, stairs of maybe even the building they work in, and they're able to go into a store, buy a handful of flies, uh, buy some, some tippet, and they leave positive reviews. Awesome for that fly shop, but it's two different ball games. but there's no way to kind of break that down. Um, I suppose I could if I want to spend the time. Similarly, it's hard to break down what reviews and what gives a fly shop the kind of street cred that it has uh, based upon the fly shop's merit and the guide service's merit. I mean, you have some shops that are teeny tiny. I mean, they're essentially giving you flies and some last minute stuff and maybe a few rods, but they have a guide service that they run out of that location and people rave over it and love it. And so you have that sort of statistics that lean into it also. So is there a way to maybe figure out and see out what uh, what comes from the guide reviews and what comes from the shop reviews? Probably, but that, again, you know, not doing this for winning any sort of Pulitzer Prize. This is simply uh, just a way to get thinking about, huh, interesting. I'm, I'm surprised that that shop wasn't mentioned or was mentioned. Why is that? Um, and also just to say, you know, good job on these shops for, for persisting in a climate that's not super conducive to brick and mortar stores being um, uh, very successful anymore. A few other interesting notes. Out of the 50 shops that I listed, uh, I have been to six of them. I've obviously been to you know way more fly shops than that, obviously, not to make it sound like any great thing, but I've been to a ton more fly shops than that. But of the 50 top-rated fly shops in uh, across the United States as of um, July, August 2019, I've been to six of them. So that would be maybe a fun thing for you to look at and, and take a, into consideration how many shops that you've been to um, out of that list. And also, it's kind of cool to, to look back and catalog what fly shops have I been to? What fly shops have I enjoyed? What fly shops have uh, been helpful to me either in a piece of gear or in information or even just kind of angling formulation, you know, making you who you are? Um, I think you can't deny um, even in the 21st century that, you know, fly shops do play a pivotal role in a lot of anglers kind of figuring out who they are and uh, in the sport. If, uh, that sounds way more intense than it needs to be, but you know what I mean, you know, getting, you know, getting you your first rod. I mean, that, that matters. Uh, if you have a quality fly rod, uh, a quality reel, a quality line, a nice vice, um, a good pair of boots, you know, all those things can make a difference um, in some, in some small way. So uh, yeah, 
take a moment and, and think about um, whether it's one of these shops or not, uh, who's played a, a role in your angling life. So that's kind of a, a little snippet on how those two articles came together. Uh, I'd love to hear uh, your favorite fly shop, uh, whether it's one on the list or it's not on the list. Uh, you can leave a comment on this page of the uh, podcast or on the corresponding article. So if it's a California fly shop, then you, you know throw that on the part one or you know it's a, um, a Wyoming fly shop, then that would go on part two. But it'd be interesting to hear that, and I'm sure that fly shop would appreciate it. So kind of shifting gears, um, I love fly shops. I think they're just a lot of fun, um, and there's a lot more value in them than a place to buy a rod or a place to buy a spool of thread that you need for fly tying. So I, I want to talk about them briefly and kind of what I think about what makes a good fly shop and maybe what makes certain fly shops not succeed and survive and take that for what it's worth. Uh, just because I, I have had the opportunity to be in a lot of shops, to interact with a lot of shops, both kind of at a personal and a quasi-professional level. And so uh, my opinion is is not super valuable, but at the same time, maybe it represents somebody who's got a foot on either side of the, the line, both the industry side and just the you know everyday Joe Angler uh, side of the line. So just a few things that I, I've really noticed that have made fly shops not just successful, but ones that people have uh, wanted to be in. The first has to do with what's in there, because ultimately that's, that's why we go. I mean, whatever else we get out of going to a fly shop, we want to get stuff, flies, uh, new larger gear. And I think the important thing for a lot of fly shops is that their inventory and selection is is emphasizing quality over quantity. So honestly, it's overwhelming if somebody carries uh, eight different fly rod labels, but they only carry random smatterings of um, you know the the lines within them. So if a, a fly rod label has uh, you know a company has uh, low end, medium low, medium high, and high end, you know two hundred, four hundred, six hundred, eight hundred dollar fly rods. And you get on that company's website and you want to see that uh, mid-level rod uh, and you go to the fly shop and they only have the high-level rod. But then, you know, there's another company that has that $200 rod that they carry. And it, to me, that's that's a little bit disorganized and a little confusing. I can understand why that happens, especially if it's a smaller shop and that owner uh, and the guy behind the desk really likes this series from this company, that series from that company. It makes sense. But at the same time, I would rather them have three fly rod labels, um, three real companies, and have their entire uh, selection, you know, with a few caveats here and there. But what that does is it allows the uh, employee, whether it be the owner or just somebody who works there, to walk through and explain to a newer angler or somebody who's interested in getting into a new facet of the sport, upgrading their gear, buying spare gear, whatever, and kind of show the progression within uh, a subset of a particular label, a particular company. And then to compare that to two or three others, um, I think you've, I've seen plenty of fly shops, and you probably have as well, that have spread themselves super thin, and they've got a thousand different labels for, again, those premier items, rods, reels, waders, lines, things like that. And it just becomes overwhelming, and it also becomes an issue with stock. You know, if you have one of the premier line companies that you carry, uh, their weight forward trout five weight. You should be, you know, four, five, six deep in that minimum. That's something that, and again, I'm not having to stock. I'm not having to have inventory. I'm just saying this from a consumer perspective. 
you know, you never want to run out of that because you have to have, you know, well, we also have to have the redfish line and the bonefish line and the tarpon line and the striper line and this, that, and you, you know, and your fly shops in Minnesota or something like that, you know, so it's, uh, it's something to, to definitely consider as having quality over quantity. Also, I would say, as I just alluded to, local over global. I think it's fantastic when I can go to a fly shop in here in Massachusetts and I can get what I need for when I'm down in the mid-Atlantic or when I'm down uh, in the south. I think that's fantastic, and I would rather buy it there than get it online. But it's bothered me when I've gone into shops, and it looks almost like they're sacrificing their wheelhouse for being well-rounded. Um, and, and I get that. You know, They want to compete with the catalog. They want to compete with the online presence. But to have your wall space equally dedicated to uh, stuff in Central America— <laughs> or uh, the Caribbean or something like that than it is to what's around the corner just doesn't jive. Now, you may know your consumer base better. You may know that the guys and the women who come into your shop are taking a lot of these trips, and so it certainly makes sense, but there's a lot of shops I've been to where that's not the case, and there's always a ton of big, fluffy tarpon flies in their fly boxes and only a couple of the patterns that are working on the stream. Now, you know, you can't control how many people are, are going to buy the, the flies that are working that day and that week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up with demand if there's a hatch or something like that. But when the shelf space is being given over to uh, stuff that's going very, very slowly and you've got, you know, $25 tarpon bunnies sitting in a box and they're gathering dust. Um, and maybe every once in a while a bass angler or a musk angler buys one or some guy goes on a trip and, and does buy a half dozen of them. Is that worth sacrificing space that could be for those trout flies or those bass flies or those salmon flies that you are going to be using um, nonstop throughout the year? And again, I'm saying that from my perspective, not from somebody who's having to stock those fly boxes. But it's also good, like I said, to have something available so that your core customers don't have to go to another shop or don't have to get it online, but they can go through you. And I think it's, it's worth saying that you need to have that sort of relationship um, with the core customers that they know they can ask you to order something and then you can still still get that but again it's it's it involves a lot more than just you know putting stuff out on a shelf i would say the other thing too and i do not fault fly shops for doing this i think it's awesome when they have more than just fly fishing gear um, if they have uh, conventional tackle just an assortment of it so when someone comes in with their little kid and they want to go fly fishing and they were driving by and they see a trout or a, um, a bass on a a sign and they come in thinking they can get uh, maybe a can of power bait or maybe a um, you know a snoopy rod so that they, they can take their kid fishing for bluegill that you able to cater to them I mean one of the worst things I saw in a lot of these uh, reviews and again I take them with a grain of salt is people who said that they didn't feel welcome at that shop and so they left a one or two star review because they just wanted information about fishing and they didn't want to fly fish or they were looking for night crawlers. And I understand live bait. I mean, that's maybe a game you don't want to get into if you're a fly shop um, just because it's a lot of maintenance. If, if you've ever fished with night crawlers or wax worms, uh, you know that you don't want to fish with ones that have been sitting in the uh, cooler for uh, a couple of months. You want them fresh and alive and wiggly and that they haven't turned into moths. Um, you want them to actually be uh, to be good live bait. So I get it if that's not the game that a fly shop wants to get into, but I know plenty of fly shops that have had the, you know, the little power bait jars and have had the, you know, some spinners and had a couple of spinning rods that are there, um, hooks, snelled hooks, things like that, 
because people are going to get that stuff and use it. You could certainly make the argument that, well, if we're on the, the banks of a catch and release stretch, we don't want to give the wrong impression. Well, I don't think that the snelled hooks and the spinning rods that you're selling are going to be the major contributor to poaching on the catch and release stretch uh, if, if you're there on the water, if that makes sense. I, whether it be conventional fishing or whether it be hiking or other sort of outdoor pursuits, hunting, again, you, if you diversify too much, it really does eat into things and cause uh, some, some issues, but to at least have some other staples available for folks who want to go camping to have core food supplies, to have maps, to have uh, headlamps, things like that. And again, we're not saying devote all your shelf space to it, but that kind of foot traffic can be super beneficial, and it also can lead to those first contacts with people who maybe would have never thought about fly fishing, but they're in the area to do activity X, and they didn't realize, oh, fly fishing's a thing around here. And if that doesn't mean that they turn around and buy $800 worth of rods, reels, lines, and waders, okay, but the seed's been planted. So there's, there's some value in that. The next thing that I think is, is important is being clean and organized. I've been in some fly shops that are they're cool because they're so like filthy and disorganized, but I I dig that because it kind of feels like just uh, salt of the earth kind of thing. But that's fun for kind of hanging out in and browsing. But if I want to shop, or if that's not someone's bag, then that's not going to work well. So stuff being labeled properly, old inventory um, that just has been sitting there forever. Um, but is still on the shelf next to the new stuff. If it's been there for years and it's the package is yellowed and uh, the, the materials are faded, you know, throw it in the discount bin. Um, and get that sh- get that shelf space back for something more more valuable. It, it, it also has a, a huge image uh, issue for your shop. And I would say the same thing for for decor. I mean, it doesn't have to look like a company store for a fly fishing retailer. I mean, let's let's be honest. Orvis company stores look great because they're clean and they're crisp and they're decorated well. You could argue that there's not a lot of personality, but at the end of the day, they, they look nice. There's some place that you know people don't mind going into because they, they look good. I've been into fly shops that look like glorified hardware stores and they smell like it too. It's like, where'd the fertilizer smell come from? But it's in there anyway. I'm not saying mounted fish and deer heads, but you know, a poster or a sign. All of the companies that you're dealing with have that stuff. Ask for it, put it up. Don't just put it up there with thumbtacks. Mount it, make it look nice, because that that goes a long way to for first impressions. You don't judge a book by its cover, but the cover has a lot of time, energy, and effort put into it by publishers for a reason, because people do uh, go off of first impressions for a lot of things. So organization, cleanliness, just the appearance, um, and you. Honestly, I think there's something to be said for finding that balance between like a well-used fly shop and a clean, organized, well-decorated fly shop. I think there's kind of a happy medium where you don't want it to look like uh, you you bought your entire fly shop off of flyshopdecor.com, but you also want it to be used. But again, that's just uh, uh, one perspective. I think the most important thing, if you have a lot of that stuff in place, is community and customer service. You might only have a few different brands of fly rods you might only have um, a few trays of flies but if you have what people need and you talk to them about how to use it and why they need it and why you carry that and you show legitimate concern then that goes so much further than than anything else looking back at the reviews of the fly shops that made it into the lists that i put out 
most new anglers were just so tickled by fly shop employees that put them on fish. And I think there's something to be said for that. That translates into a little tiny plastic cup of flies being bought today uh, for you know a, a $10 profit down to uh, rod, reel, line, waders, and the works, and a couple of guide trips d- down the road. I think to be able to do that and have that interaction where it's not about what's being sold, the best isn't being pushed, but uh, helping that person meet their needs, it, that's, that's invaluable. And along those same lines, it's not just about New English, it's about being a community hub. And I've talked about this before. Uh, a fly shop does something that a message board or an Instagram DM string can't do, and that is pe- putting people face-to-face with tangible things are around them. And so whether it be a fly tying night, whether it be just a pot of coffee that's always going, those things can be super helpful. Now, again, I've been in situations where you get guys that linger way longer than they should, and so you know you, you might need to figure out a way to draw that line somewhere. But hopefully the, the good outweighs the bad. And I've had fly shops like that, and they're a lot of fun to go into, as long as those relationships don't uh, supersede uh, the new person who comes in. I've been in those situations also where the uh, good old boys club is hanging out in the back and uh, you're just wanting to buy your license and it takes forever and it seems like an inconvenience because you're um, breaking up the um, the backgammon game or whatever it happens to be. So those are just a few kind of off-the-cuff thoughts about what makes a good fly shop? Maybe you know one of the shops that's in the list and you say, yeah, that does make sense. That's why they are the highest rated fly shop in, in the, that state. And you might think that your favorite fly shop, or if you're a fly shop owner, employee, you say, well, no, 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 my fly shop is all those things. Let me know about it. And so I would say that is my recommendation for this week. My recommendation for this week is a couple things. One, if you love your fly shop, let me know. I would love to just sit and browse their website. Uh, if they have YouTube videos, check those out. Um, I'm, I'm into that. I love fly shops. I love kind of what they represent. Similarly, I would recommend that you rate and review your fly shop on Yelp, on Google, on, on whatever is out there that uh, people can get eyes on your fly shop. It matters. When you Google fly shop whatever state or city you're in, if you like your fly shop, help people find it. They'll appreciate that. It's so cool to see some of these reviews. The owners or whoever is managing the social media accounts of that fly shop, they would go through and uh, respond to the customers, many of whom they at least had the uh, impression that they knew who they were and there was some sort of personal connection. So my recommendation for this week is to reach out to your fly shop through social media by leaving a review. Facebook is another one that um, is huge. If you can leave a review on Facebook, that pops up real quick when you Google um, the best fly shop in this state or this river or whatever. So uh, do that. Be kind to your local fly shop. Thanks again for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.